Welcome to this bonus episode of The Reading Cure, in which we'll be discussing the movie Nebraska, directed by Alexander Payne. Welcome to The Reading Cure, the bibliotherapy podcast where great books and great ideas are what we like to prescribe. My name is Dr Stephen Davis and my co-host is Dr Alexander Fox. Now this is a bonus episode of the podcast and as with previous bonuses we're going to be discussing a film rather than a book. In this case the 2013 comedy drama Nebraska directed by Alexander Payne. Now, to give you some background into the plot of that film, um, it revolves around Woody Grant, a frail, elderly and rather willful man, played by Bruce Dern, who believes he's won a million dollars from a magazine sweepstakes. Despite his family's protestations that this is an obvious scam to get people to subscribe to the magazine, Woody becomes fixated on travelling from Montana to Lincoln, Nebraska in order to collect his prize. And he makes several attempts to set off on foot to do this, despite it being a eight or nine hundred mile journey, uh, which result in his being picked up by the police at the roadside. One of his sons, David, played by Will Forty, decides it's probably best to just drive his dad to Nebraska. And much to the chagrin of his mother, Kate, um, that's what he does in the hope that the journey will serve as an opportunity for him to connect with his very taciturn inward father. As the pair embark on their journey through the vast and desolate landscapes of the Midwest, we quickly learn about Woody's lifelong alcoholism, which led him to be a very absent father to his two sons. David takes the opportunity to make a stop off at Woody's small hometown of Hawthorne, Nebraska, where they stay with his brother Ray and his wife and their two grown-up and rather unscrupulous sons Cole and Bart. Now, rumours quickly spread within the family and across the small town about Woody's supposed windfall, despite David's protestations that it isn't real, and the prospect of getting a cut attracts the attention of various characters from Woody's past, notably his former business partner, Ed Pegram. Pegram is a smooth-talking and manipulative character who ultimately tries to extort thousands of pounds from Woody's fictional fortune, by threatening David with legal action for a supposed past debt. David learns a great deal about his dad's past during their stay in Hawthorne. He meets up with a past flame. Um, He learns about an affair his father had just prior to his birth. And he eventually visits the now abandoned family homestead in which Woody grew up. Word ultimately gets around the town about the true nature of Woody's ticket after his nephews mug him and David outside of the local bar and temporarily get their hands on the phony ticket. Woody remains undeterred, however, despite this humiliation, and after failing to convince his dad to end the futile quest, David regains the ticket and completes the journey to Lincoln with his dad. Their attempts to claim the prize end in inevitable disappointment and Woody is given a meagre consolation in the form of an appropriately bad taste baseball cap with the word winner on it. However, David has gained a deeper understanding of and respect for his father from their time together and he manages to contrive a partial victory for Woody. He selflessly trades in his car to 
procure a late model truck that his father has always wanted and he enables his dad to drive this truck down the main street in Hawthorne for all to see with the winter cap still upon his head. Nebraska is a poignant and beautifully shot film which received an array of Oscar nominations. The film drew particular praise for Bruce Dern's superbly nuanced performance as Woody for which he won a Best Actor Award at Cannes. So the first question tonight, Alec, that we're going to talk about is about Woody, the protagonist in this film, Nebraska, um, he's on a determined quest to claim his million dollars in the promised land of Nebraska. And so the questions really were two part. What kind of quest do you see this as? And is there a sense in which we're all on a quest like Woody? Yeah, well, the way I would look at it is, you know, when we start watching the movie, uh, we see Woody walking up this motorway and a police officer stopping his car and going up to approach him. And it seems like he's very confused and lost. And that's our first introduction to this character. So from the beginning, you've got this impression that this quest that he's on seems quite foolish and strange. Um, Actually, you know, in my Prime Video, Amazon, uh, list it. it it listed it under the genre philosophical we could sort of see that mm-hmm. in a way with this movie yeah. it also said it was sad which i could understand too but also put it under the category strange hmm. and uh, i thought that was i mean how is that meant to invite you to watch this movie you know uh, the, labeling it as strange it's certainly quirky but seeing it as strange is actually seeing this character Woody as someone so eccentric that it doesn't really have much applicability to to us, which I would disagree with because I do I do think Woody's quest, you know, for uh validation mm-hmm. and for making amends with the past is something that is pretty universal, uh, to be honest. So for me, I I if I was to summarize, I think it is to to feel validated as a person and to make up for what he did in the past or what he didn't do with his family. That's how I would see the the quest from his perspective. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly agree um I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. I would. I didn't think there was anything strange about it. I thought. I mean, it, it, obviously, this kind of road movie kind of scenario has been a little bit inverted here. Um, I know that the the director of this one, Alexander Payne, has obviously he's done films like Sideways previously uh-huh. and so on. So he likes this kind of you know this kind of format but um yeah for me I mean it is I suppose having a character who's on the quest that is a little bit um impaired in his faculties you know is unusual because it kind of raises the question about um what exactly is motivating it how much it's confusion how much it's actually a, you know a very specific goal certainly it's not a completely realistic goal here um but I, yeah I mean I thought it was very it was still relatable in spite of the fact he's an elderly character who's having the you know his his memory and so on isn't quite what it was you know there is a I mean, I suppose a road trip movie would tend to kind of have a sort of sense of like self-discovery and so on for the person on the journey. Yeah. And I think maybe for him, 
how much he can do that again is a little bit limited by by how he is but he you know there there is kind of growth there and and you know the relationship with his son david who's on this journey with him um you know there's there's a change there in the relationship and i think um you know you touched on the issue about about his past you know this is in, in a way about kind of trying to reconnect with his past or make up for things in the past and i think that is that's quite key here and again that's quite a kind of universal experience of a of a kind of journey or a quest that's about you know both the past and the future in that sense i think um yeah i mean the 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 thing about him being mentally impaired I, i i would say that we don't really know um, about how mentally impaired he is. <laughs> uh, and I know that that might seem uh, an unusual thing to say, but since he's a man of so few words, since he's quite a shell of a man in some ways, when we join him at that point in his story, in his life story, it, it's hard to say whether it's dementia or the, the cognitive impairment there may be that to some extent i mean that's how his wife kate sees him sure but we have to bear in mind that you know at the very end of the movie when he goes to collect his alleged prize you know the million dollars from the marketing office uh that uh, when he leaves uh, the secretary says to david this he said has he got alzheimer's uh you know basically is a, a way of trying to understand why he believed in this prize and he said no it's just that he believes what people tell him mm-hmm. and so i think that that to me that seems to suggest a more credible explanation is that uh he's in quite a desperate situation in okay. on some level because you know he is at the final stage of his life he is certainly an alcoholic yeah um he might be a little bit confused, but I don't think it's something like dementia. That's not what his son saw it as. And this idea that he believed in the prize, I think he believed it partly because he, he was somebody that helped so many people out, that he was an honest guy in that regard. Obviously, there's that uh, complicated factor of the affair, which we could probably talk about later on but i think that he was generally quite honest and would believe what what was written down and and also he's so desperate um to leave something to his kids i mean he says he wanted to leave something yeah to david and ross and so i think that you know believing in this uh voucher and this a million dollars that's going to come from it is uh, something that he can't not believe. Um, uh, yeah, I think so. <clears throat> I mean, because I was thinking about sort of wider parallels, you know, this idea about how much are, are, are all of us on, on a, a kind of a quest in some sense analogous to that. And I suppose you could say that, you know, most of us, when we're motivated for a particular goal or life path and so on, it's based on some desires and motives that might be somewhat out of kilter with reality to some extent, which doesn't necessarily mean there's any actual mental impairment. You know, obviously with Woody, it's implausible that he could actually physically do this journey alone. He obviously keeps trying to walk it. I don't know if he's thinking he'll hitchhike. You know, that that sort of sense that that, that he could do this doesn't seem very realistic. And obviously the the prize money isn't isn't real. But again, as you said, that is it is very much kind of reinforced in the movie that he is this guy who takes things takes people at their word and 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 that's kind of 
you know what what's happening here. So uh, yeah, I think you could, uh, just in terms of like what's relatable about this quest, and, and you know putting aside the issue of mental impairment and so on, you know there is this sense that you know probably everybody you know will tend to maybe at times underestimate how their own particular limitations physical or of character perspective or whatever might end up sabotaging their efforts if they are pursuing something in the way that woody is um and obviously it, it's one of these quests where he doesn't he doesn't get the prize but there is a kind of partial win you know and that's something again probably a lot you know it could be relatable for a lot of us as well you know the idea that you what you actually thought you were aspiring after you didn't quite get that but you know the process of that aspiring that quest you know you still got something from it and it was worth doing you know yes yeah i mean i think that's true that what they gain you know particularly in terms of the father and son becoming closer yeah. is something of real value um even if the the so-called prize was a uh, uh, MacGuffin, you know, it was something false. Um, they are not true at all. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, what I was considering is something that um, the critic Lajos Egri said in his book, The Art of Creative Writing, where he said, if you, if when we're writing a character, when we're constructing a character, he says, we must bear in mind that uh, we all want to be important. Mm. And and that this is what I see as a, a kind of universal aspect of uh, Woody's journey because, you know, at the end he doesn't get the money, but he does get the truck in a way yes. that he wanted, and driving that through the town and you know how it focuses on the people he passes, yep. included Egg, Ed Pegrin, um, his adversary in some ways in the movie uh, you know highlights that he, he got his dream i mean it was a very modest one in a way but it was so important to him to have his own truck and you know other people seeing that there was a validating quality there the fact that it's so mundane and yet it was so sought after highlights how much we're all looking to be important and to be seen as worthy and woody gets that to some extent or enough that satisfies him at the end of the movie. I think that, yeah, I think that's true. I mean, obviously, yeah, it shows that what he really wanted, I suppose, was was his self-respect, you know, particularly when he's been somewhat humiliated. And, yeah, I mean, again, you know, he, he deals with the disappointment, actually, of, you know, when, he, when he's told that there is no prize money, you're not getting that. Um, and, you know, it, when he gets the truck, as you said, it's like that satisfies him enough, actually. You know, you can see that that's in a way he's got to do what it was he wanted to do and really could have done anyway had he got the prize money, which, yes, you know, would yeah. have been quite quite limited. And obviously, fortunately for him, obviously, you know, the, the son David that's with him on the journeys is quite savvy, actually, and he really, you know, he picks up on that and, and he's very, um, yeah, very, very caring and, and helps him, helps Woody, yes, you know. To, yeah, to, yeah to I mean, we'll we obviously off. speak about David later, but um, who's in many ways the sort of hero of, of sorts of the movie, but... But yeah, I mean, the you know, Woody was a mechanic. Maybe he loved cars, and he didn't get his own truck back. And he then gets a chance to have his truck at the end of the the movie, and he sort of gains a dignity and self respect yes. that he hasn't had for many many years. And I mean, not to say that we're going to blame Kate, his wife, for everything, but she. Um, you know, she is quite contemptuous towards him um, in many ways. And you could see that 
that that married life um, could have hollowed him out, where he, he was getting critiqued all the time. Okay. I'm not saying that he was a saint. Clearly he was not, as yeah. we find out uh, in his actions. But it, it seems that he lost that self-respect. And uh, part of the quest was sort of gaining that, along with leaving a legacy to yep. his family. Um, so, you, you know, if we see it in this kind of um, Eric Erickson kind of way, there's a generativity of sorts as well here that this aging man wants to leave a legacy. He wants to leave something to his family, which is this, is this money, which is, you know at least according to Eric Erickson, what many people want to do in the last phase of their life, leave something to the world, especially to their families. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, I think, about the, the legacy. Um, because, yeah, that that is why this kind of quest, you know, it had to be a man, actually, who wasn't at the peak of his faculties, who was going to be, you know, so absolutely doggedly set on on pursuing this, but precisely for that reason, yeah. And, and you know, we hear that from. Although, as you've said, he's very kind of man of few words. You know, that is something he does articulate that that wish that he could have. I think he recognizes he's you know he's maybe not he's not been a very good dad, particularly for the you know the two the, well for the two sons. They, they've not really had a lot of quality time with him. He's been drinking and so on, and obviously he belatedly wants to try and do something about that in the best way he can you know, the, you know the only way he kind of feels able which is you know not really you know the kind of direct communicative approach with them but more just trying to trying to get some some money that he can pass on and, and yes know, kind of, yeah i mean the it's almost like it, because his life ordinarily doesn't seem to have the ingredients to generate what he's looking to to gain, you know, in terms of self-respect, in terms of legacy. That's why he buys into this magical solution. Yeah. Because he's so desperate to gain those things. Uh and yet, but on this quest to get them, him and his son um get closer and his and, and David is able to understand his dad more deeply. But yeah, I mean the the bit about his faculties, well clearly he's not as sharp as he as he once was, and he's a man of few words. But I think he's also lost interest in his life in some ways. You know, he's mm -hmm. quite distracted because uh, there's a lack of purpose as well. It, and I think that's part of the reason why he, he seems to be um, not listening or somewhat abstracted when people are trying to talk to him. I'm not sure that's because he, he can't follow it. Uh, that his faculties are so impaired, but I think it's also he's lost interest in his life. In yeah, ways, apart from this one thing. Yep, I think I think so. I think definitely. I mean, it was again. We'll, we'll, we'll probably come to this a little bit later. But I, there was a. I was reading an interview with the the writer. Um, what was his name again? Sorry, let me just flick through here. Um, Bob Nelson. That was it. Bob mm -hmm, Nelson, who was, mm -hmm. who was the writer of the film, and he talked about. Um, that the the fact that for a lot you know for children often um, you know they don't know their parents necessarily very well they have this kind of limited view and I think he he talked about wanting to really um, build up this character Woody in a way that mm. did leave the audiences actually a little bit trying to trying to get to the root of him and almost have that experience of a very kind of taciturn guy that you're not quite 
quite sure straight off what actually it is that's going on with him. You know, there's a kind of inwardness and a kind of complicated, something's not right and there's a kind of conflict there. So it does feel a bit like, you know, watching the film, you you kind of undergo that same kind of journey of understanding that the two sons do, particularly David as well, of getting a bit more of a a sense of why he is the way he is actually. And it's it's definitely not, as you say, just like mental impairment, but it's much more, yeah, I mean, he's for the most part lucid and Responds to people and yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't hmm. think it is me. I wouldn't personally say it was um, that we have enough evidence to, um, to say it was mental impairment um, no, overall. No. And I think that you know what the writer said seems to be very true. That this is almost like an exercise in learning not to be judgmental because when we first meet the character. Yes, he all, the movie seems to fit this designation, this label of being strange. And, and you know, we could just say, you know, that this guy um, seems, you know, out of it. And then as we learn about his story, we can see how he became what he was. And that there is, um, and it's a more complex and sadder story than what we might have guessed. I mean, to, I mean, his own wife is just depicting him as a buffoon that needs to be thrown in a home, you know, as as a burden essentially. Sure. Yeah. Um. And and so that we might we've got this impression, uh, you know, very early on that this is how he could be really. Yeah. I mean, after all, it's coming from his his wife, and yet on this journey we learn. You know much more about him, and that that sort of uh, dismissive judgment softens, and and we see a more complicated and sad story. It's it's actually quite beautiful, really, yeah. in that regard, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I mean, as it's... we learn that, um, it, I mean, but, I... It, but it is it is kind of trying to make us almost biased against them to some extent at the beginning yeah um you know to see it as um somebody that's simply confused um and someone that 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 is um you know quite different to us and yet as we go along your son learns much more about him as we do as well and and we can see that is striving for importance for self-respect to leave a legacy that these are common uh you know motivations definitely um, and i think there's no doubt that you know that is something that the film is very deliberately trying to do because ov- obviously you know the the choice of bruce dern to play woody you mm, know brilliant actor mm-hmm. um and of course got you know a lot of praise for his performance yes, in this role yeah. which he you know i got the the impression again from reading the interview with the writer that both the, the director alexander payne who himself obviously is a writer um, and Bruce Dern both were really creatively contributing to this. You know, it was yes, quite yeah. a, an, you know, a kind of collaborative way to make this this guy as real as possible, but to kind of reveal that and and you know, not all at once. I think you're quite right. They're almost setting up a kind of stock take of a confused old man, blah blah blah, and then they're subtly undermining it to, to kind of take us on a bit of a journey to yeah, into like the real depths of a of a complicated human being actually, which is well, you, yes, you know, yeah. Without when revealing, he drives that truck at the end and you see the subtle expressions on his face mm-hmm. as he's doing it, it you know oh he doesn't need to speak 
and we don't need to hear what he's saying because we now know enough about him and how he's responding to see that this is um, his moment in a way. Yes. Um, and it's there. So, um, I mean, so that, it, that is a real evolution in our understanding of him from the beginning to the end. And, and we can then recognize how, how it, it was important for him to do this as yeah. misguided in some ways as it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, I think, I think also one, one final thing about what I could say regarding this from my perspective is that, um, you know, that element of self-deception to some extent, you know, Woody, I don't think fully believes that he's going to get that million dollars. Mm -hmm. I think if you watch it closely when he's in the office that, and he gets told the bad news that he sort of expected it. He's not, um, there's no anger and the, there was a kind of recognition, but I think that that self-deception of, you know, when we're so desperate to get something that we need, that, you know, um, we can deceive ourselves. I mean, this happens as an everyday occurrence, and and it may not be something quite as flagrant as him believing that this voucher, yeah. uh, that's really just to get you to subscribe to magazines, is actually going to pay off. It may not be as obvious as that, but we're but we can all get self deceiving when we're trying hard to achieve something, and the odds are against us. I think that's true. I think it's that combination, as you alluded to before, of you know, of a guy who does take people a little bit of their word. You know, that in combination with what he, this this burning desire he has to to get this, you know, to achieve this legacy and this self respect. Yeah, that is the explanation for why he just seems to be so deaf to hearing that this voucher isn't real because there's nothing really else that anybody says to him in in the film that I can really recall that he doesn't you know he doesn't pick up you know it's like he is in touch with reality apart from on that one issue but but yeah as you as you said that it is also interesting at the end when he doesn't seem that surprised either even though he's been told and told and told it's not a real voucher and he won't hear it he does kind of reconcile himself to that quite quickly yeah actually. yeah so i think i think that's self-deception and, and you're right i mean we all we can all do this you know when as you say it's something that's a it's a need we have that's just you know, we, we, we can't give it up, but we also fear we might not be able to satisfy it, then we're put in that tempting position, I guess, to kind of buy in. Yeah, I mean, we all we all self, we're, we're all prone to self-deception, and the stronger the need and the more odds against us satisfying the need, the more there's going to be uh, self-deception. And, you know, Woody's life doesn't really have quite the materials, so to speak, or it doesn't seem to, no. to allow um, him to achieve what he wants to in terms of that self-respect. I mean, you know, he has a slightly checkered past. As you said, he was not there for his kids in the usual sense of bringing them up. Uh, he's now at the final stage of his life. He might have only a few years to live, if that. So, I mean, you know, it's really up against it. And we could see then why he would believe in this voucher because as i said it's very difficult for him not to believe in it but on some level i think he knew that it wouldn't quite pay out but yes. it was also the effort and i think that's one of the touching things about it is that even if he had not been the perfect dad uh so to speak he, that he was trying here 
in the only way that he could thought that was remotely feasible. Yeah. Even though it wasn't in reality to, to redeem that. And I think that's maybe another uh, universal aspect is that, you know, we do try and redeem ourselves. Um, that's true. Or, or at yeah. least most of us feel that if we if we think that we've let others down that that we love and that in his case it's his family yeah particularly his kids that he's trying to redeem himself too uh, as well as leave this legacy as well as um gain some self-respect again uh i think I that's think, all aspects of it i think that yeah i think that's true and i think in a way that the universal appeal of that you know you see that when david the son you know he he picks up on what it is the dad wants to do and he basically then you know helps him redeem himself i mean he really does it for him in a way and he, and he kind of constructs it in such a way that again does does woody actually believe that they've negotiated this truck or does he really know deep down david's just traded his own truck in and got this for him you know it, it, you know it's like they kind of almost collude in a way but they kind you know but you know david's obviously seen that this is the right thing to do for what his dad needs and it's a very very loving kind of altruistic act actually because you know the dad's been a right difficult bugger for him you know he's not been easy he's not in, in any sense either in the past or in the present but you know he sees the the importance of of this for him and he and he helps him redeem himself actually yes, know, the way he could yeah have done. no that's true i mean david is someone even as a, a young child he, he was taking the bottles and pouring uh, pouring the alcohol down the the sinkhole, you know, to get rid of the the alcohol. So even as a child, he was looking out for his dad yeah. when his dad wasn't really looking out for him. And and I think that's another beautiful aspect of the movie, as you say, that this is a man that, in terms of his past, is um, someone that maybe David would be potentially estranged from. Yep. And yet, actually, son not only understands them more as, as they go on their journey, but also um, helps them to fulfill that need for self-respect by getting that truck. You know, he stages it. And maybe on some level, Woody's okay with that because, you know, he's he's gone on that journey to try and get yep. the money. Yeah. And it didn't work out, but he did put in the effort. <laughs> and so, he, <laughs> in a sense, and so he... He maybe lets that go and, and is happy just to receive the truck in that form. He didn't buy it, but uh, his son arranged it for him and he accepts that. Yes. There. And and, yeah. and the, uh, as you intimate, there's something very touching about that because you could almost say it's an act, you know, getting the the truck is an act, an act of grace. You know, it's not, it, he was undeserving of it in a way. Yeah, to some extent, and yet his son, out of his love for his father, allows him to have that moment, that experience, and puts it in his name. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, I mean, it's an extremely, yeah, extremely altruistic loving act, and I think what makes it especially powerful for me as well is that you know, again, the way Woody's backstory is told it's so fragmented you're you, you know it's like we're kind of right there with david trying to make sense of why he is the way he is and we get little glimmers but he is such a man a few words that you, you're not completely sure quite what it's all about you know you've, you've got a sense of ways he might have been damaged and ways in which you know life might have been unfulfilling for him but it's not it's not absolutely clear cut but it's like there's enough there 
and because it's such a kind of human relatable mm. dilemma you know that david can just kind of make that leap of faith actually and just you know just make that act of extreme self-sacrifice you know just to make it all worthwhile as you said for woody for having gone through this kind of ordeal that he does finally get something to show for it yeah so yeah it is it's, it's very moving well yeah there is that grace that redemption in 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 that i mean i think he the sense that we got or at least what i got watching the the movie is that that woody was a good man in many ways even if he'd been a bad father yeah and i think that you know his attempt to try and make good for his kids um it's him trying to redeem himself in some ways and and that david uh, you know comes to understand and appreciate him enough that um not having the money is inconsequential really and that he can do that final gesture for for him You'd put as a kind of supplementary that question, is it more to do with him being a decent person who innocently trusts others to keep their word and what is in reality a mendacious world? So I suppose this is really delving a bit more deeply as much as we can into Woody's character, actually. You know, what is quite, how good a person is he? What's going on here? I'm, I'm, I'm getting the vibe that you think really is quite a quite a decent person who's been more harmed by by the world. Is, is that kind of how you're... You're seeing well, I'm not. I mean, you know, he is a difficult person. I mean, we saw that in terms of how he argues with his son. Sure. Um, he didn't see his son in the and you know, he, he attributed cynical motives that he stole the drink to have it for himself <laughs> when actually his 10 year old son at the time was trying to save his father from drinking himself to death. Um, so no, he is a difficult man. In some, in a number of ways, that's for sure. Yeah, um, and we could see why his wife Kate could be exasperated by him. But I, I mean that, uh, and of course we could talk about how he got into drinking as well, because that's somewhat interesting. Uh, that's the a question, too. isn't it? Yeah. But um, for me, what I meant is that there was that decency. I can't remember what character that said it, um, but you know, it said he he couldn't say no to anyone that need, I think it was Kate actually, his wife said he couldn't say no to anyone that needed help and they yeah. the took advantage of him. Sure. And of course we get plenty examples of how the family could have done that. <laughs> yeah. And Ed Pegram as well, you know, that um, I yep. think one of the things that sort of highlights to me that apart from what people say about him uh, in terms of uh, helping others out, that that was his life. That's what I mean. That he was a he was a decent person, even if he wasn't a good father. In the the world at large, he was helping out, even yeah. if he wasn't that emotionally present for his kids. But that pattern would have been very common, I think, in his generation. But I think you know one of the things that tells me about his decency and his somewhat innocence, in a way, is that he, he, there's no sense that he really understands Ed. You know the the adversary does it. Sure. You know, he, and and for one thing, that even when Ed tells David about 
uh, Woody's affair that uh, you know he hangs his head in, in shame, but he doesn't get angry at Ed. He, he he doesn't even sort of ostracize him. Um, he doesn't really after those many years of working with this guy, you know, mm-hmm. as uh, owning that garage, he still yeah. doesn't really know that Ed is a bastard, as Kate points out. It doesn't take David long to work out what Ed is like. Yes, and yet Woody's got no sense really of that it's almost like because he has so little of that um manipulativeness in that way in his nature and that selfishness that he doesn't really comprehend it yeah i see what you're saying i think i think that's true yeah just that um yeah that innocence yeah just born of he would never ever contemplate acting in that way and he can't he can't fathom somebody who would be calculating. He's so uncalculating, really. He's so kind of straightforward, actually. And, and and yeah, I mean, certainly with Ed, I mean, there's that, I think that scene where Ed reveals, you know, quite maliciously about Woody having had this affair. And, mm. you know, um, he, he asks for some money and Woody's initial reaction is just to say, yeah, you know, yes. how much you need in. And then I think, you know, when it's clear that Ed's looking for a big sum, I think he just says something like, oh, well, after I get my lottery win or something like that, you know, so it's a kind of, even though, um, it was it's, again, it's that interesting contradiction because initially, you know, there's this sense he's got this resentment for <laughs> against this guy, Ed, for for taking his air compressor, yeah. you know, that comes yeah. up a lot. So there's, on the one hand, there's a, there's a sense of, as he kind of, you know, bearing these slightly petty grudges but no, I don't think so. Again, I think that's the complexity of the character. He, he, well, I mean, I is, think the I yeah. think the air compressor. Remember, this is a guy that the only thing he really wants is a truck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, to feel validated, so we must understand it in that context about the air compressor. That while it might seem quite inconsequential to us, it meant a lot. Yeah. To him, and also just that. Um. Yeah, just that lack of decency in not returning the truck or the air compressor or things like that 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 stay, you know, stick with Woody. Yes. And we assume that that's not how how he was. I I I mean to me the way I saw it is that David comes to believe in the fundamental decency he's dad. Yeah. Even though he knows his dad has made a, a lot of mistakes, but he could see how he arrived at where he was. And he, he sees a decency in him enough to give him that gift, so to speak, of the of the truck. That yeah. was my sense. Um uh I think, and, I think, and I think there yeah. is that innocence, you know, that sort of very basic way of believing that other people are going to honor their promises or honor to return the air compressor or the truck or yeah. whatever. And when he gets that voucher, he he sort of believes in it. I know there's obviously the self-deception element, but but I think that what would maybe give him some hope would be that they're going to honour it just like how he would honour his commitment in that way, even if, you know, somewhat ironically didn't quite uh, honour his marriage vows completely. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think definitely there is a decency, there's an honesty, there's a kind of innocence... 
It's interesting as well, you know, you, I mean, again, there's like that, you know, he's obviously, as we'll get on to, he's been damaged by things that have happened to him, you know, childhood, the war, things like that. And then also just kind of culturally, you know, I mean, it's quite, you know, one of the kind of funnier moments in the movie is when all the, you know, all the men folks from his fa- his wider family, you know, they're mm. all together, all the, the brothers and nephews and mm. so on. And they just sit silently, more or less, watching the TV, mm. drinking beers, you know, and then the, you know, the wives are chatting away in the kitchen. So, you know, you compare that to like when you see Ed Pegram in the pub, you know, and he's kind of holding court and mm. much more of a kind of lively affair. So, you know, again, there's he's from a kind of, I mean, you know, the brother, Woody's brother sits out looking at the traffic every night, just sitting on the pavement. You know, there's such a kind of quietness there that, um, you know, that is obviously just the sort of temperament, the kind of family style a little bit there, you know. So, well, think, there is. You know, yeah. There, I mean, the, the quite a few people speak about him being a man of few words and so are the the grant brothers in in general yeah and and also i have that sense that they've been somewhat hollowed out by life i mean as one of the one of the characters says that you know woody started drinking young because there isn't that much to do mm-hmm. yep. quarters. and then when you you know this movie was filmed in black and white so the landscape takes on this almost bleak and forbidding yeah quality it doesn't seem quite hospitable there's a certain beauty to it but it also seems quite stark yeah and and you know woody and his brothers on that farm are confronting that environment and there's not that much to do and drinking is one of the things that gets you through your day gives you some so you can almost see how that might happen now of course we could say well when he became a, a dad he should have been you know, honouring his responsibilities. That's true. Um, I'm not. I'm not wanting to deny that there's certain failures as a parent. Yeah. Would he? Would he had? Sure. There, but I think also that, um, not to excuse him quite, but I think probably his generation had different ideas of what it was to be a parent, and, um, and maybe it was more about, you know, out there. Uh, working and bringing the money back kind of thing that was sort of seen as what a man does. Yeah, I I mean, I think he's definitely, there's a strong sense he is a kind of product of that specific environment. You know, I mean, like you said, I mean, you know, why he started drinking, it could be something as mundane as just, uh, yeah, just the, the sheer boredom, obviously, you know, people's thoughts about drinking and alcohol and so on have changed over time. You know, drinking heavily was, again, probably quite common amongst, you know, you can imagine men, uh, you know, at the working age when he was in that category. And so, yeah, it's that kind of combination of us, you know, what seemed quite a, a forbidding, you know, harsh childhood. It didn't, you know, it, it, I mean... Again, when we get the tour through the family homestead, he doesn't yes. say a lot. You get this, you get the, you know, the little subtle, you know, he would have got whipped if he was found yes, in his mum and yeah. dad's room. You get these little kind of intimations that, you know, this was probably quite tough and quite harsh. So, you know, that th- these things are thrown in there. But yeah, I mean, yeah. And I mean, austere. Been, you know, austere. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, that austerity of the, of the landscape and of the upbringing with the floggings, as you said, and, 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 you know, the idea going to a bar socializing, it would be something that, that many of them would have done. And it's also a form of escape. Yeah. Um, And I think that Woody himself intimates that he, 
he drunk a lot. Uh, he says to David, it, it, what's the fate? Wouldn't you if you were married to your mum? <laughs> and I mean, that that isn't quite something that excuses him. But, you know, clearly Kate is a difficult person as well. Yeah, I mean, wife. Um, I mean that, yeah, she's an interesting character as well. I mean, again, um, you know, that we, we get, you know, we, we meet her early on and then obviously she arrives in Hawthorne. I think that's the this kind of small town in Nebraska that Woody's been brought up mm-hmm. and she's lived and so on. So we kind of get more of her then. And one of the kind of first more extended scenes with her is at the cemetery. Remember when they're, you know, she's kind of yeah. given them a bit of a talk about people that have been deceased and she's really, you know, um, she's, you know, she's telling the boys all about, you know, mm. who was sleeping with who and all this kind of thing, you know, so she's yeah. got quite a kind of dirty sense of humor that comes out quite quickly. So, and, and then we also see her, you know, kind of, um, you know, going a little bit in a battle really with family members who, who are kind of a bit like vultures circling, you know, when they, they, they get a vibe of this yeah. money. So she's, she, you know, she's quite feisty as well. So she's an interesting character again, not, not developed enough. I didn't feel, you know, as in life really to be able to make a quick and easy summing up of her, you know, she seemed a kind of complicated character. So I, I think don't... so. I mean, as the movie goes on, you, you get a sense that she does have an affection of love for Woody, um, yeah. you know, like when he's in the hospital and, uh, you know, she kisses him before leaving and, and she said, you could see the tenderness yeah. And concern there. Uh, and she does defend him in the family like, against certain mem you know, certain members of the family that are like vultures. Yeah. So I mean it, it's not as uh, as so there isn't love and concern there. But we could also see that that she is difficult in that she's got a somewhat relentless um uh you know quality to her, you know, of critique i mean you you, because usually when you go if you took your son to uh to the the cemetery where his grandparents and so on are buried that there'd be a certain respectful tone um i mean woody is standing there while she castigates (laughs) his family yes um and so yeah to me that i mean while it's funny in a certain way um or to a certain extent, to me, it was an indicator that she is not good at um, validating and respecting others quite. Mm. Um, It's not really a strong point of hers. And this is something that probably wore Woody down to over the course of his marriage. Um, Yeah, I wonder. I mean, yes. I mean, she's such a you know, she's a strikingly strong personality. You know, she's one of the more kind of feisty characters we meet in the film, you know, certainly compared to his quite quiet family, you know, she's yeah. kind of a more dominant personality. So you could, yeah, we can kind of, yeah, there's a kind of sense of what that might have been like. Um, obviously he would be the kind of, you know, he's, he's, he's that kind of, he's quite, he seems like kind of passively s- sort of stubborn guy, you know, a little bit more inward and a little bit more, he would do his own thing. And you, you know, the vibe we get obviously in the later years is that, you know, she's kind of having blow ups cause she's getting frustrated by him. He's kind of digging his heels in quietly. You know, that this seems to be the kind of dynamic. So obviously it was, yeah, but the relationship, you know, obviously was a kind of turbulent one in that sense. And, and yeah, I mean, I think it, we could understand why she could get frustrated at him. Um, but for me, 
there's that scene when David goes to the local newspaper and, and he finds out that the, the lady that owns it and runs it um, was an old flame of woodies. You know yeah, that scene. Yep, yep. And, and she's a very different character to Kate. Absolutely. And she actually has a... She has. She talks about Woody in a, in a, you know, with some respect in a way, you know, that and even a slight admiration of him. Yeah. Clearly, she's talking about Woody when he was a young man, when yes. she knew him. But for me, when I see that scene, and then I think about Kate in the the cemetery. Yes. The way I put the two together is that Woody could have maybe had quite a different life with that that other woman and and i think david sees that actually yeah um that this woman might have been better for his dad in some ways actually and yet it was not to be i, I mean um, it's it's very inter interesting really because yeah again i think the way they depicted her character as you said that you know the impression is immediately of somebody who's got sensitivity integrity mm. you know she's mm. a kind person mm. you know she seems a really warm commendable person and, yeah. and again this is, these are the kind of subtle elements that that i you know find make it a little bit difficult to come to a definite judgment really because when david brings her up to woody and remembering that i think in the pub later yeah. on that he's met her he can't even really remember who she was you know he's, he's well vague. he he, well, he says actually uh, after that, you know, that was a long time ago. Why are you bringing it up? Yeah. So okay. my impression is that he did remember it, but didn't want to discuss it. He sees it as irrelevant. Okay. Um, okay. Yep. Now, and and I mean, we know that Woody is not somebody to quite go into long um, dialogues about or monologues about his past, and but I think he. He could remember it, but he didn't see the significance of it. But, but for me anyway, I think the audience can. In that, you know, she seems sensitive, kind. Uh, I'm not saying that that Kate doesn't have any kindness um, in her nature, but she is rather different. And that Woody's life may have been different, which is not to say that him being an alcoholic and the way he behaves is all down to Kate as well. No, no, no. no. Um, but I think that what you know, that this woman might have understood him a bit better. I would, and I think undoubtedly, I mean, I think for me, it seemed puzzling in a way that, so yeah, and I, and I take your point, maybe he was just saying, you know, he was trying to bat it off, he was saying he didn't remember her because he didn't want to talk about it with David. I, I definitely get that because it did seem otherwise a bit, you know, again, not a, you know, not, not the more commendable side of him that this lovely person could have been in his life and he didn't really have any memory so are you did, did you more get the take actually that he's aware that this could have been an alternative life that well, he could I, have had i don't know if woody quite understood the significance of it i don't know but i do think that he he remembered it enough yeah to, but to to, to dismiss it um but i think for us we uh, as the audience we could see potential significance there yeah. that could have been quite a different life in some ways, um, yeah. because, I mean, I think it's complex because, sure, you know, I'm aware that Woody would have done things that could have uh, led to a loss of respect, you know, that why Kate could um, have lost some respect for him. I could see that, but also Kate is quite punitive, you know, quite mm -hmm. critical as a person. I, and 
And, you know, his son David understands early on, uh, and of course, even more so as they go on this journey, that that is not what his dad needs. That is not going to ultimately help. Uh, no, no, but Kate no. has never learned that. I mean, they're quite, it's quite diabolical in a way, the match, because obviously Kate, you know, what we see of her is this extrovert, lively, bubbly person who's got a real sense of humour and likes to talk a lot, you know, and obviously that's, Woody's completely opposite to that, you know, I mean, he's so quiet, you know, he's such a man of few words. Obviously you get the, you know, the think the scene when they're going around the house as a family and mm. Kate's kind of chiming in with some of the details from his past, you know, you get more of a sense that, they, you mm. know, they have talked and she's taken, you know, she's taken a right interest and in, you know the bigger events in his past so there's been something there but but certainly you could see that temperamentally you know on a sort of day-to-day basis they definitely don't seem like a great match there um uh, I, no i mean there'd be a classic case of opposites attract i think so whereas uh, you know the newspaper lady um temperamentally seemed to be more gentle quieter as a person yeah um but but maybe not the opposite, you know, in terms of opposites attract. And yep. but I think I think like you know, when his son suggests that they go and see uh, the house in which he grew up in, and he says, "What for?" Again, that dismissiveness. So I yeah. think that when when he is asked about uh, that old flame, I think he's dismissive partly or mainly because you know he doesn't really see himself as important you know he's lost that because you know like to to talk about your past and and to analyze it is is showing yourself indirectly anyway a degree of self-respect and importance mm-hmm. you know he, he doesn't really he doesn't it goes back to a point i made earlier he doesn't really have an interest in his life yeah yep. uh, and yet and yet we develop and I think this is one of the poignant things about the the movie is that we we develop that interest, you know, in his life, but he doesn't really have it. I th- um, he's lost touch with that maybe years ago. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, th- I mean, like in that interview I mentioned earlier, the, the writer talked about the you know that scene in the homestead, you know, the family, the four of them going together, was being the most difficult one that he had to write. And he said that there was one line where he he, he wrote it and wrote it and wrote it, and I think it was about Woody's asked about a brother that died in childhood, mm. and I think. David says something to him, do you remember that, Dad, or something? And Bob Nelson's original draft, he, he put, he, you know, Woody says, sure, I was there. And then by the time it made the final cut, they'd edit it further down to just, I was there. You know, yeah, and it was like, exactly. it was this, you know, everything that was being done was to really kind of, you know, pare it down. And and just to, as you said, to really convey this person that doesn't really want to speak about it, does you know, that just isn't, he isn't going well, to go yes, off along, yeah. you know. Um, and well, I think this is the thing that, I mean, that's that's a, an interesting point that you raise. I think that's a good, uh, you know, point there. Um, because for me, this idea of I was there, I think this is the thing that he's so he's lost so much interest in his life. He's so demoralized in many ways that he will affirm factually he yeah. was there. Yeah. But but the significance that is is something that he's lost you know and 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 when people are very depressed and demoralized um they they don't really have a there's no rich significance to their life 
I mean, they, they could talk factually about their life, yeah. but the meanings of it are gone. It's almost like they don't have that that existential status. Um, yeah. So it's quite, It's. I mean, their lives, the way they see them are as barren as that landscape. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, and so, yeah. So Woody can say, I was there. Yeah. That's true. But, but he doesn't seem to understand that people want the meanings, the details, the significances. For him, that's all gone, really. Yeah. And it's the same with his old flame, that relationship that might have been actually a much better fit for him. Yeah. Um, it's all gone now. Uh, there is the future of cashing in on this voucher. Yeah. But the past, the significance of it is all barren and insignificant from his point of view. I think, I mean, um, it's quite a kind of subtle point, really, because, I mean, it reminds me again, you know, the, the part where David finally asked him, it was in one of the, you know, bar experiences, you know, mm. why did you actually have kids, you know, because he clearly didn't want to. And he, and Woody just says, I, I liked screwing, you know, mm, and it's such mm. a kind of callous way to speak, you know, to say, to say that to your son. But, yeah, I mean, I take your point when you're thinking about somebody who is depressed and detached, it's an honest answer, you know, and he is very honest. And obviously it's, you know, it's, it's not going to be an easy thing for his son to hear, but it's no, like he's, no, he's no. you know, that's where he's at now. You know, he is just so. I mean, yeah. it was a, it was an insensitive and somewhat callous, but truthful reply. Yeah. But I mean, when he says to, to David, we, we figured that if we screwed long enough, some of you, two of you would come along. <laughs> and and so there was still, a, it wasn't as though having family was necessarily unwanted. No. But I think, but I think the thing is that for me, it's important to see that and okay, it's it's obviously easy for me to say this because I'm not David in that situation. I'm sure that that could hurt. Mm -hmm. But I think if we see it in terms of Woody's life, that he was drifting into things. Mm -hmm. You know, he yep. drifted into parenthood. He obviously drifted into that relationship with Kate in many ways. And and so it was a bit like going with this sort of flow, and, and there wasn't much sense of active choice and agency. In fact, the time where he's exercised the greatest agency and determination is now in this quest <laughs> to cash that voucher. Yeah. <laughs> but for the majority of his life, he drifted into things, as as a lot of people do, because, you know, if if we listen to, to videos of Tony Robbins and people like him, we get the impression that, that people are quite determined and active in their lives. But a lot of the time, major things happen by just people drifting into them, particularly uh, in Woody's time and in his circumstances. And so, yeah, yeah I mean, his and son, David, thinking actively about his choices is a kind of more modern sensibility that Woody, and also David does have more self-respect yeah. um, than what Woody probably ever had. And, and, uh, and Woody's drifting into it is very different to David's reflectiveness about it. Exactly. And of course, this is the thing we're dealing with Woody, you know, decades later, who's, who's, you know, 
you know, in a different place, really. So again, I mean, it's, it seems in Congress, you know, like the 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 affair that we don't hear really much about. Ed Pegram drops it in, mm. and and you know, it seems the way he's described it. You know, Woody was head over heels in love at this point with this woman he was having an affair with, and then we don't, I don't think we even really find out what happened, why it ended. No. He just, as you no. said, he bows his head. But you know, obviously, there's this side, you know, this passionate side of him that. I suppose we're seen in a way in terms of his doggedness, but we're not really, you know, it's like, a, it's like it could be like a different person, you know, and obviously we're having that same kind of jar and experiences as David and trying to kind of piece this together and make sense of what this all adds up to and who this guy yeah. quite is, you know. Um, well, I mean, the fear, how much it was him pursuing it, how much he was pursued is unclear, um, how, how much he wanted it to last what he would have done to make it last, would he have left Kate? I mean, Ed Pegram says, you know, divorce was seen as a sin mm. back then, and that may be the um, the main reason or one of the reasons why uh, Woody didn't leave Kate. Um, yep. um, but, yeah, that, that, that's, yeah, I mean, I didn't necessarily find that detail jarring, to the say my sense of Woody. Um obviously I didn't necessarily expect it. Yeah. Um but I could see how someone like him could drift into that. Um how he could have been undecided about what to do and then it was decided for him. Um there's ways for him to have conducted that affair without it being too much active and passionate in the in the usual sense. Um, yes. I could also see, not that I'm condoning what he did, but I could also see why he might have outsourced that love that maybe he didn't feel greatly in that marriage. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, not yeah. to say that that's excusing them, but we could, but um, we could see that, that Kate was maybe not quite right. Yeah. For him. Yep. Even though what he did was wrong too. Yeah, we sort of touched on these issues. I'm wondering if it might be, you know, just good to... to tie this up with the, the third question really which was really about i mean you, you've said this movie is in many ways about family um and you know the question of what what does it say ultimately if, if you could construe any particular message from it about marriage the relationship between parents and children or say between wider family relations um what do you what what's your kind of sense for you know because it is a kind of family movie in terms of its well, it is. What, yeah. What do you think it's really getting at? Well, know? I mean, I think it obviously shows that marriage can be a complicated and not always fulfilling experience. I mean, the Kate and Woody isn't necessarily a happy marriage, but yeah. it's not as though it was devoid of meaning and connection at all. Yeah. Um, but it, it it's it's certainly you know the fact that we encounter the newspaper lady uh, shows how radically different his life could have been married to someone else. Yeah, potentially. Yep. So we're not. It's certainly not portraying marriage as a meeting of soulmates. There, it it, it could be um, something that just happens for 
reasons that are or should have been more secondary than than primary you know that you might have been a better match with the other lady but um kate won for other reasons and and so they're making the best of it it did seem a bit like um kate and woody making the best of a situation that was not ideal and maybe in some ways structurally uh ill-fitting yeah. in terms of temperament and in terms of how good each would be for the other so i, I saw its portrayal of marriage as being quite realistic yeah um uh there in my opinion yeah, I th- yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, it's difficult, really, because obviously that is really the the primary marriage that is depicted, you know. And, and obviously, yeah, there's the sense there could have been this this you know previous partner that might have been a better fit. Um, I think I think it's. I mean, for me, it's probably easier to make a kind of judgment more about what it's saying about family more broadly, rather than I think just purely in terms of because you see more, um, you know, family members and their relations to each other. Um, and it's also, and again, it's kind of a, I, I felt it really, it was just a bit of a kind of, you know, it was neither terribly pessimistic nor kind of, certainly not, um, you know, rosy and sentimental. It was kind of gently, humorously mocking in a way. But again, it kind of showed, you know, it showed that that kind of coexistence in a way within families like you, like you see when, we, you know, they think Woody's got the money that there is, you know, there can be some quite ruthless, you know, um, you know, behavior by some family members trying to, you know, get a cut of this money. But obviously it harks back to, you know, earlier days when, you know, they've they've all been poor. You know, there's been a, there's been elements of helping each other out. And obviously Woody, you know, we 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 uh, here has been somebody who's been quite generous to others whenever they've needed it. But you know, there's it kind of depicts a sort of for me, a kind of I don't know, there's a, there's a comfort and there's a there for each other. You know, we get when him and David first drop in, in you know, in Hawthorne and stay with uh, his brother and so on. There's that aspect. But obviously, there's a kind of taking each other for granted as well, you know, with the, with the, the family that are, you know, you know, like the nephews who ultimately, you know, who are obviously get, you know, have got a criminal record and goodness knows what they're getting mm. up to and they steal Woody's ticket. And so, you know, there's there's that kind of unsavory aspect to them. So, um, yeah, I, th- I don't know. I thought it, it kind of portrayed family in a kind of probably realistic and in, in slightly humorous way as well. I don't know. I mean, yeah, no, I would agree with you. I mean, I mean, the point you made about them being the main marriage in the in the movie is true. Um, although the marriage, you know, we we get a glimpse of Woody's brother and his wife. You know that that setup they have, mm. and it may be that this is just what it's like to be married to the Grants in in some ways. But yeah, I think it was, um, you know, making the best of it. Um, you know, marriage. I mean, it wasn't like it was um, that it was very passionate or um, that 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 they had much great in common. The marriages that we see, I mean, they seem to be quite settled and quiet yep. in some ways. I still think it it was showing how family can uh, be detrimental to each other. You know, there's the obvious case, as you say, about the 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 cousins and the nephews that that rob Woody and, and David, you know, try yeah. to steal the... So there's that in terms of... And, and also the, you know, 
family members behaving like vultures in some ways. Um, so there's that. But I think also for me, I still have that sense that, yeah, the Woody and Kate marriage, how much that was ultimately good for each other is is doubtful in some ways, even though I do see there would be loving, love and affection there. So it's not loveless, but um, I think there would have been a, that Kate contributed to that erosion of self-respect. I yeah. think Woody did it as well. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was his own worst enemy in some ways. But I, I do think it it could show how how these these um, very close family ties can be destructive in some ways. But also when we see Woody and David, we can see how um, family could really support each other too. I mean, it's interesting. Um, I, I mean, I think David, you know, he's the he's the one that wants to go and have the catch up. You know, they're, they're on this road trip and he wants them to stop and see Woody's brother and so on, who obviously mm. he hasn't seen for a while. And obviously Woody himself is quite indifferent mm. to that prospect. You know, I thought it was interesting that David, who, you know, it seems like hasn't had much of an experience of family, really, you know, obviously as a child things have been a bit unsatisfactory in the family home and because the wider family, you know, they're in Montana and the wider families in Nebraska, you know, you know, there seems like there's a genuine interest and kind of wish to catch up. And obviously, you know, when he meets his cousins that, you know, it's kind of, you know, the, the, the lack of uh, relating there is quite funny, you know, obviously mm, they're, mm, I mean, and they are mm. quite malicious characters really, you know, they're quite kind of, um, you know, kind of comedically, but, you know, certainly quite, um, yeah, quite self-interested, quite ignorant. Yeah, so you know, it's 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 like the family members that stayed in Hawthorne really do seem to take each other for granted. But um, but yeah, David didn't have that, you know, and it's like still there's a draw to try and you know find out about no. his family, and you know he tries to make more conversation when he's around them, and you know you you kind of it's a little bit unfortunate really because you can see he would obviously be quite well suited to a family environment, and he'd be quite a kind of. Um, you know, a kind, helpful family member to be involved with, but he's kind well, of been... I think he, yeah, I mean, he's a, you know, he's a very decent person. We see that early on in the movie. And, yeah, I mean, he, he believes in that, um, honouring those family ties and and has that interest in meeting up with other, other members of his family that Woody doesn't remotely you know, have. Yes. Um, but I think an, an interesting dynamic here is between David and Ross, you know, his older brother, in that, yeah, it, it wasn't like there were mortal enemies. You could see that they could get on, the two brothers, but they were quite different people. Yeah. And and Ross is someone that is a bit more like his mum, you know, um, mm -hmm. in terms of he sides more with his mum, with Kate. Yeah. You know, he keeps on saying to David, you know, mum's right. And um, and and so he's like the advocate for Kate. Yeah. And David, in some regards, is uh, the advocate, well, in a very profound sense, as the movie goes on, is an advocate for his dad, or at least someone there for his dad. And, you know, his older brother is a, is a news anchor. You know, he's obviously got this career. Whereas David is uh, working in this electronic store, um, and so the, they've got quite different lives. And David is a little bit lost, like his dad, at the start of the movie. Definitely, you know, a little yeah. bit in limbo. Yep. Whereas 
Ross's life career anyway is going from strength to strength. Um, so they're they're quite different people, and Ross, well, he mellows a little bit uh, towards things as he takes a look. You know, he takes part a bit in this journey. Yeah, later on in the movie, still fundamentally someone that doesn't really understand his dad and probably couldn't, to be honest. And I think that he, to some extent, exemplifies that danger of. Uh, seeing things on a surface level um you know he, he, i can see why he's resentful towards his dad he says his dad wasn't there for either of them yeah growing up but that's sort of like where he stays and i'm not sure that if he'd been on that journey uh, like david is on that he would have come to the same understanding of his dad I don't. Yeah, it's interesting. No, pro probably not. I don't think so. I mean, I think that. I mean, I got a vibe. You know, that obviously the mum and Ross, Kate and Ross, join sort of belatedly. You know, and, and yeah. they're obviously in Hawthorne, and that you know they kind of go from the. I, I thought it was. I thought it was quite. To me, it seemed like when the they're they're doing the tour of the family homestead, both boys are deeply interested. You know, it's like this is a a window into this puzzling man that's been their father that they've been a bit you know that they just haven't had this very strong relationship with so i did feel there was a certain sense of them kind of coming together in a in a you know and in, in both being equally keen to try and fathom him although i think you're right that david could go further with that and would be ultimately more emotionally attached i think to he him. went i think he yeah, went think, further literally, well, literally and yeah. metaphorically um there yeah i mean that ross did join in on that journey to some extent and it's not as though he's disinterested in, in his dad's past but I think there is a difference between doing the tour you know like the house kind of thing and having an interest in that than the deeper empathy and I, I think that yeah it's not like Ross is estranged from his dad it's not like he's condemning him completely but I think that yeah, we don't see quite that evil that that sort of deepening as we do with David. And and for me, I'm I'm just wondering whether he would have been prepared for that or capable of that. He certainly doesn't have the time quite for that because he would have to get back and get on the the TV. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I definitely, I don't think so. No, I think I thought though it was interesting that after that you have the scene where. The um the four of them have that little kind of escapade, you know, where, mm, where David yeah. and Ross decide to steal this air yes. cooler, yeah. and, and it turns out to be the wrong one. And mm. I thought, and that um, you know, we have them as a kind of foursome as a family. Yes, and, we do. You know, there's yeah, a little bit of fun, and there's you know, I th I felt like there was elements like that to me that were given a, a sort of somewhat nuanced take on it all, you know, because obviously it was a, it wasn't a, a totally fulfilling family experience that's for sure for, for the boys neither was woody's upbringing but you know there's there's still something in that they're you know they are still together there there is there is care yeah. for each other you know so there's care for each other and yeah yeah i mean they they come to, they have a they have quite a bit of fun the two but you know the two yeah. brothers as they they steal the air compressor um they yeah. think from ed pegram's barn but it's not yeah and so they do come together so but that isn't really what I was quite meaning. I'm not saying that they didn't have their moments. I'm not saying that they didn't work at all as a family. I'm just speaking about 
the the empathy required quite to no, I, I, I get that. Uh, and I get at that level that's where ross um doesn't really participate and and i don't know how, how much that would have been his scene i mean in a way you know he's a news reader he he, he reads out facts or at least alleged facts and and i think that you know for him he, he probably had a similar view to his mum about how woody how woody was uh whereas david yeah uh understands him more deeply as it goes on as well oh yeah no to be um, honest i was just kind of more <clears throat> Um, thinking of the, the you know the, the previous question about the, the the depiction of family just being kind of a new yes one. yeah, but, no, yeah I, I mean I, point I, in in in, yeah. in that way and and I think that's true I mean we see how that family could have worked in a way I mean at the end of the day the two the two guys have turned out well shall we say you know what I mean that the, the uh, as people it um, so I don't think the family was that dysfunctional to the yeah and and, the, much, and yeah. it's not like they hate each other. Uh, or anything like that, that that clearly the two brothers get on um, and the, the way Ross responds in that bit of the journey shows an interest and affection for his father. I don't think he hates him. No. But um, but we have, this, we have to admit that at the beginning of the movie, he's, he's quite keen to bung him in a home in quite a dismissive sort of. We almost seen it as like what he deserves. Um, and so, yeah, Ross has got that, what we call that, or eye for an eye kind of thing you know he wasn't there for us growing up he never cared about us he's a burden now yeah he should go in a home and that's not how david um looks at it. um I, yeah, yeah. I, I agree i mean i I, th I think it just it struck me in that scene that it was almost like it, it was showing the you know the you know, they kind of now mainly lost potential in a sense that the four, you know, they obviously didn't have a life or we don't get the, the impression they had a life where they were together and they were maybe doing trips that were interesting. And, you know, there was that kind of communication that might have, might have kind of, you know, it was like it sort of showed a kind of embryonic view of what it, what it maybe was like at times or maybe could have been like as a kind of foursome. <laughs> the question we were going to kind of end on was really I mean you you, you you sort of have the take that Woody seems to have been a guy hollowed out by his inability to say no to helping people and so what you know what could we maybe say the movies take his on altruism and gratitude we could obviously see that it is recommending that we understand each other as fully as we can you know as empathically as we can you know because Clearly, at the start of the movie, you've got this very uh, strong sense of what Woody might be, and our characters are somewhat supporting that. But as we learn more about his life and piece it together, we get a you know a somewhat different depiction of him. So I think it is definitely saying that uh, we should be empathic and uh, not too quick to judge other people we need to know their story and that the more strange to use the amazon prime <laughs> label uh someone is that maybe the more that we have to get their story and see things from their perspective to some extent Definitely. to understand them so there is that thing about altruism and empathy there in the ethic of the movie yeah but i think also that if we look at if we take kate our uh, word that that uh Woody was someone always helping other people. 
and getting taken advantage of um, by others, um, that you can see what could happen to someone there, that they could be, um, well, I mean, you know, look at the way Ed treated him. He becomes a figure of fun. This is someone that what he worked with, uh, a colleague and a friend for many years, and yet when Ed finds out that the voucher is just this marketing ploy and, and he reads it out in the pub and he still does that when Woody appears in the pub. Um, it's not really, uh, it's not really a kind of fair payment for all that help, isn't it? No, and that's support right. through the, through the years. And, and even the, you know, the vultures in the family, they don't really appreciate all the help, you know, working on their cars for free and so on. And clearly, they were bringing their cars to his garage as much as they could yeah. <laughs> and getting freebies. And that was his life work, and he did that for them, and yet they still think they're entitled to, to money. Uh, so there's a lack of... So I think there's this idea that if you're going to be helping people, expect, expect there could be some exploitation from some people, that there will be ingratitude mm. as well that if we see Woody as being a demoralized man uh, in many ways, and then we look at Ed, who seems, you know, they're not much different in age, and yet he seems to have a vigor yeah. and a life to him, given his age. Um, it says something about what that life of altruism versus that selfish life, where you might end up. The unfairness of it, in a way. Yeah, that's true. Well, it's it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. I wonder. I mean, I, I mean I'm think... not saying it's saying. I don't mean that it's saying that you're foolish to help others. I don't think it's saying that by any means, because obviously David has helped his dad profoundly. Yeah. Over the, but what I mean is that it shows how how things can go wrong. I mean, um, obviously, with David, you have quite a savvy person you know that really i kind of i mean he is really a, a you know a very exceptional human being actually when you kind of you know the way the way he behaves himself and he, you know it's the kind of combination of kindness and empathy and also insight you know he he is somebody that is kind of aware what his cousins are like for example i mean he knows i mean obviously it's not rocket science but he knows they were the ones that mugged them and he, he knows where to go to try and get mm. that ticket back you know and he knows what's you know he knows what's going on with ed and so on um so yeah it's like he he's kind and he's altruistic but he's you know he's he's, he's a lot more savvy than his dad is you know and that means he's probably much less likely to be getting exploited by these others who are maybe you know, they, they try to, it's funny that they do try to go through him initially, you know, like Ed and some of the family members, you know, they've sort of detected he's a nice guy and he's the one that they kind of target initially to make their request to, you know, about getting a cut from Woody. But, um, you know, he kind yeah. of sees through that, you know, and he's not actually... And I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right that if, um, if you're discerning, you can be altruistic, you can be kind like David. But clearly... Woody didn't have that discernment. I mean, he, you know, he doesn't seem to have twigged even now uh, that Ed is a bastard. No, you know, he, no, he no. doesn't seem to have comprehended that about Ed, even though it's very obvious. And, and his wife has remarked on it, but still, you know, Woody doesn't see it that way. So he doesn't really have quite that savvy, that discernment that is joined by that kindness that David has. Um, I mean, almost... But, but, sorry. And of course, if you've got that innocence, then 
um, you can get somewhat pummeled by that exploitation and ingratitude from others, um, which we don't see with, with David. What we do see with David, though, is that, you know, part of his journey is that, or a, a key part of his journey is that he's a very kind person. And, but I think he had a little bit of problem with being assertive. Um, so we see when he's sitting with his cousins and they're taking the piss. Yeah. And and initially it, it's it's okay, you know, you can let it go, but they do harp on about it. Yeah. And it, and it also gets um, less and less pleasant, but David doesn't say anything. And then the, there is that moment where he, he punches Ed Pegram yep. in the bar and he turns around and and he stops and he reflects on it because I think that's him standing up for his dad and himself. Yeah. There. And this is not something that he had quite learnt to do until he'd been on that journey. I, I think um, so. I think a bit like Woody, you know, as we discussed earlier, how we're given an initial slightly cliched picture and then it's sort of subtly undermined. You know, it's like that really because, we, you know, we meet David, you know, we... I think his ex-girlfriend's moved out and she's coming over and the plants are dying. And, you know, you get a bit of a sense of a guy who's a bit in disarray and you see him at his job as a salesman and it doesn't seem to be going too well. So, yeah, it does kind of, again, you could kind of make a sort of cliched reading of that, but actually there's a lot more to him as we see as the film goes on. And I think you're right. I mean, definitely part of it is about he becomes more assertive for himself as well. I think that's true. I, I mean, I almost felt like it culminated in him becoming a bit like a parent for his dad, really, you know, because his dad's a bit, he is a bit vulnerable. He, he can't really do it for himself. You know, he, you know, and, and kind of contriving this finale to their, their journey and in, in that kind of selfless way, as we discussed, you know, it is a bit like he's kind of, it's, it's a bit like, well, he, he, he has to kind of parent himself because he can't really recapture, you know, what was lost there with his dad. But and having understood it, you know, it's like he can move into that more confident, independent role, that more paternal role. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it looks as though from a young age, he was kind of doing that, you know, when he was pouring the bottles of booze down the sink yeah. um, that he was looking out for his dad. And, and yeah, you're right. At the end of the the journey is very much like the parent <clears throat> and that there's maybe something natural to that in a way because of Woody being in the twilight years and needing that support and that protection um, there and, and that David understands that. But yeah, I think that he, you know, that scene where his ex-partner turns up and it's not clear whether they're going to get back together. And she talks of mentions about the plants not having been watered, yeah. if we were seeing it in a very literal way, we might think this guy can't take care of anything. Yeah. And yet, yeah. of course, yeah. we see that he takes care of his dad in this in this subtle and profound way. And so, yeah, not I think definitely this movie is about don't make snap judgments um, about people. We have to really see them in the round. And and we see that with, with David. And, and I think, you know... An interesting thing about it is that his his brother Ross has got this prominence to some extent, you know, being on the TV. Yeah. And he's working at this electronics store. Very so, you know, he's, he's his brother's got the kind of more prestigious career, whereas he has this kind of kind of job and, and yet he is the he's the extraordinary human being. 
Yeah, um, and we don't know yeah. that, as you say that. I mean, to an extent, there's a kind of growth in him, but yeah, you're right. I mean, there's there's signs of it having been there, but yet he could so easily be dismissed on the basis of his, you know, lower social status compared to his brother. Um, but, but you can, yeah, you know, that I mean, could, you can see it with it being an American movie. Yeah, that in America, I, there could be that temptation to judge them on their social status and think that that ross was the uh the superior one and so certainly has superior social status but but he's the extraordinary pet one actually and he doesn't actually i think that i'm sure there's a point where he you know he's asked about his brother you know and his brother's success by family members and he's not actually particularly resentful as you know or jealous so you know as you, no, you can imagine all, no. you know it would be understandable in a way if he's feeling a bit sore about what he does but there's none of that so he's quite devoid of that and it's it's interesting he's not a resentful guy but as you described when he does finally punch ed pegram which you know is enormously deserved actually and then he you know it's like he really um you know kind of lets himself enjoy a little bit more that um fight back you know and, and then he's really you know he, he he comes up with this plan where he's hiding his dad's driving past and you know he really kind of takes a you know take he kind of really comes to life actually and in, in, in that process of becoming a bit more assertive and and standing up for himself so yeah he's well he, he does he does and it's kind of like a tolstoyan moment for him you know he has to do something that was difficult for him and fight against these instincts because you know ed pegram is is a is an elderly man yeah he's a bastard but yeah. he's a, an elderly man but so you know for somebody as empathic as david to to, to punch yeah. there, um, to assert something, he's asserting his own self-respect too, because you can see that he's a little bit like his dad, that he could just take jibes. Yeah. Um, you know, like he could maybe put up with bad treatment. Um, you could maybe see that passivity a bit in his character. Yeah. And yet he comes to assert himself through asserting his dad's, you know, uh, need for respect and himself, his own self-respect. Uh, yeah, it's a bit like, yeah, you know, the transformation of passivity into, into empathy proper, really. You know, it's kind of latent in him, but as you said, it airs on the the too passive, you know, in the in the slightly yeah. negative. And it, you know, but, you know, there's something of real substance there in him. Yeah, you, you get the impression that, that David could have been quite an observant child, you know, sensitive to the parents needs you know uh but yeah. not really doing too much um maybe coasting a little bit uh about like his dad yeah and then he, and then this quest this journey which of course he doesn't believe in in the prize for obvious reasons but this journey is him doing something active uh and an active um desire to care and support his dad. Yeah. Um, and, and there is a kind of enthusiasm in him actually for this journey, yes. you know, against much against, uh, you know, the consternations of Kate, you know, he wants to do this. So there is an element of he, he also just wants that bit of time with his dad, which obviously doesn't ordinarily get, you know, so that again, he sees it as an opportunity and maybe know, one of the last opportunities to do it because his dad is, is old and may not live very long and you know like he has that desire to stop in front of mount rushmore now yeah. <laughs> i mean you know would he just sees that as pointless a waste of time uh but for but you know david understood it as a opportunity to to bond 
Um, and they're not, and 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 it's the sort of more obvious touristy things that don't bond them. <laughs> yes, um, it, it's 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 more the subtle things that bring them closer uh, together. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, that 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 would be, yeah, that's how I'd kind of see it regarding those two. Yes, Woody I, and Woody and David. I think so. Yeah, and again you know, the kind of moral compass of the film is quite clear there. You know, I mean, there, there are, you know, it's unequivocal that, um, you know, the way that some of the family members are behaving, you know, isn't isn't really quite up to it. And I, I think even, even as you said, you know, with Ross compared to David, he has, he has no interest in this journey initially, you know. So he, he's gotten to a point with his dad where obviously he's just not interested in spending the time with him. You know, there's obviously been that bitterness as a result of the neglect. Yes. But, but yeah, yeah. David, and, and then we can understand that in, 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 in a way. Um, but I think to me that the movie, the ethic of the movie is still suggesting that that is um, a limited way of understanding what happened. Yeah. Um, because David comes to a somewhat different conclusion even if it's not um you know spelled out directly it's not one of resentment or bitterness one of the interesting things about our discussion is that we experienced this movie slightly differently as well i mean okay we could see it in the most basic way that that's what happens when two people watch a movie <laughs> but because but because it was a quite understated movie you could expect that we could maybe experience it somewhat differently too um definitely i mean it is it is extremely subtle you're right um i think i think that's what makes it a particularly uh, great movie I, I mean i was thinking about it was interesting just even even in advance of recording thinking about the kinds of questions and so on initially you know when thinking about some of the films we've talked about previously like rear window and and um, we obviously did shawshank redemption you know those films in a way they were kind of more obvious aspects that was hard not to agree on you know in terms of like you could think about voyeurism as a theme and rear window and things like that but this was an extremely subtle film but and but probably compared to those other two had had far more realistic characters in terms of like you know with all the complexity of real people and the kind of nuance and the and also the experience you get in life and obviously you get in pinter plays as well if you know only a just a partial partial reveal based on us you know a, a little bit of fragmented speech in some cases so it had it, it, you know it does make for a film that people probably will have different takes on actually, you know. I think, that's, I think, that's so. To I, I think so. I mean, but yeah, I, I would argue that it has to be somewhat pro Woody overall, the movie, because otherwise, that moment, his moment in the sun or his moment in the truck, um, wouldn't quite make sense, yeah, um, yeah. really. There, however, it's not like, um, it's quite fully deserved either, um, you know, because clearly he's, he's um, failed to do a number of things as a parent for and as a husband yeah, over well, the course of his life. But yeah. I think we can forgive him to some extent at the end. 
I think so. Uh, I mean, because th- there was a nice quote, actually, a, a copy here from the writer, and he says, I was trying to get you started wondering who is this guy and why is he behaving this way? It's something hard for kids to realise that parents had lives before they were born and there are little reveals here and, he, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he said, you know, he relates it to his own father. He says mm. when he came back from the war, he was a little bit quieter and something mm. had changed in him. So I think so. I think it's, it, that's it. You know, it wants you to wonder about Woody and it definitely doesn't want you to come to an extremely negative judgment about him. That's for sure. I mean, there's certainly I think, a I think warming it's... to him. Yeah, probably. I mean, to my mind, it it probably is more a forgiving. Yeah, judgment. Um, I think so. Um, no, I wouldn't disagree with that. Yeah. Because um, you know, if David, the way if the way that David um, reacts to his dad is um, suggesting to some extent how we should be towards Woody. Yeah. Um, even though you know, David finds out about the fair, it doesn't really come between them. And it doesn't actually become that big an issue, ultimately, uh, between him and his son. I think it, no, I think it's it's got a very kind of humane tone, and I think that's what it's trying to engender, actually. I, th- I don't, um, I, th- I mean, there are kind of baddies in it, Ed Pegram being the kind of primary one, but I think it's just trying to depict real people, you know, with a kind of moral conscience at work there. And yeah. definitely, I think you're right, Woody, you know, when we get beyond the initial kind of cranky and, you know, much diminished kind of, man that we see you know yeah i think you're right there is a kind of complicated character there that isn't a bad guy definitely isn't a bad guy overall i, th- I think that's true and and i think that's exactly what david realizes as well as you said you know that's the sort of same yeah and, I, and you get the sense that that's what david suspected even yeah. before they went on that journey because he's not bitter um even at the beginning of the movie yeah, that's right. Towards his dad. So, um, yeah. yeah, David probably suspected there'd be a larger sto- uh, story there. Um, yes. And that and it would come from getting to know his dad better. Yeah, and, he, and although he only gets a very fragmentary account, you know, he, he gets yeah. enough. He gets enough to, yeah. He gets enough. Yeah. But, yeah, so that, that was great anyway, talking about it. And, yeah, um, it was. Yeah, I mean, definitely a great film. And it was, I think it was multiple nominations. I think it. I think Bruce Dern got a Best Actor Award at, yes. at Cannes. Yeah. It was, it wasn't, he didn't yes. get the Oscar, but he got, I think he might have got an Oscar nomination. I think it got quite a he lot. He did, yeah. The, so, I think there was, was quite a few Oscar nominations Yeah, the, the movie. Yeah, um, but he did win, win at Cannes um, Best yeah. Actor. And, you know, it was definitely deserved. Yeah, um, oh, no, it was. It was because it was, he, yeah. Sorry, he yeah. portrayed, yeah, he portrayed the, the character in a, a man of few words in this understated way. Um, yeah, and and the complexity of the emotions there. I mean, it really would have been worthy of a best actor Oscar as well. Actually, it was a phenomenal. Really, I mean, few people really could have could have played that part to you know to that extent. I mean, it really was quite. He really lived the character. It felt Bruce Dern. So he did, and I and I think um, the guy. I don't know the actor's name that played David, but I'd read that he was on Saturday Night Live quite a bit. Yes, I can't. But he was apprehensive about doing this movie, probably because it was one of his first acting jobs. And, of course, he's working with a, <laughs> an eminent director and a, a great actor as his uh, co, you know, co-actor, you know, yeah. uh, co-supporting actor. And Bruce Dern, 
had said to him, well, you know, find out what the truth is in each scene and act that. And okay. so I think clearly Bruce Dern and the other people had got a sense of the, the truth of each scene and acted it out in this very realistic way. It's almost like an American Mike Lee movie. In that <laughs> it's actually, yeah, that's right. That's and, a good point. Uh, it is. It's got that, yeah, each scene was being kind of allowed to kind of be nurtured by the actors as well, and it feels very, very real. Um, yeah, indeed, a great film. Indeed. And so we would certainly recommend it to people if they haven't already seen it. Yes, um, definitely one to watch, as are a lot of um, Alexander Payne's films actually he is, he is one of the better in my opinion one of the better kind of modern filmmakers you know he's yeah well i enjoyed about smith and uh, and i really like sideways too yeah. you know and he's, he's which was another road movie that's right yeah it's definitely a kind of genre he really likes and he doesn't churn the movies out as well i think he had no. a seven year hiatus or something after Maybe yes, was that yeah, I can't remember, but yeah, he's but yeah, there are some there's some really good films to look at there. But I think, um, yeah, yeah, that idea of the odd couple on the road, yes, is what he likes, and yes. um, and and sideways was to some extent more comedic, I think, but it still had its dramatic aspects, um, yeah, but it's, uh, it's but a, this was yeah. more a drama. It was a, it was a quirky comedy in some ways, but it was more a drama. Yeah, probably more um, more drama than than yeah than outright but, comedy. But yeah, again, you know, nice little nice little um, funny moments as well in a very unforced way. You know, it all just kind of flows in a natural way. I think. Um, but yeah, but I think it didn't want to veer too much towards the comedic um, because it was about this guy trying to win his self respect and. Uh, if it had veered too much towards the ridiculous, it would be then so easy to satirise Woody's quest. Yeah, definitely a sort of delicate balance there. I think yes, you're right. Just indeed. yeah, kind of shadings a yeah, shadings a humour. But yeah, I guess we probably probably yes. just about out of time with that one tonight. Yeah, yeah really, good. really good speaking about it. And yeah, definitely okay. really good film. That's Thank great. you. Thank you. Right, cheers. Bye bye.